Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Well, good morning. Imagine for a moment if you uh, were renting a beautiful home in your hometown. And let's just imagine that some of your favorite family members were living close to you. Maybe, maybe your grandmother who made the best apple pie just lived like right around the corner. And then a cousin of yours that you grew up with, like they were down the street and, and all of them had beautiful homes and you were renting this beautiful home and you were so excited to be near your family. Well, one sunny spring day. Can I just pause there? Can we just have a sunny spring day soon? Okay. <laughs> One sunny spring day, you arrive home and you come to discover that there's a note that's hanging on the door. And the landlord says, you know what? Your lease is going to be up in 30 days. And you think to yourself, like, I've made all the, the payments on a monthly basis. I don't, I, you're kind of curious. You're surprised. And as you scan the note, you do discover some good news. The landlord says, hey, listen, uh, we have actually prepared another property for you that's even better than the one that you're currently living in. So because of this inconvenience and hassle, we're going to go ahead and cover all the moving expenses, all the costs. All you need to do is you just need to prepare yourself, get your family ready, and then uh, you can go to the next place of residence that we have prepared for you. The only problem is there's no address for this new residence. So what do you do? In Genesis chapter 12, this is exactly what took place with Abram. But in this series called uh, Giant Faith, and we've been studying the life of Abram, and so here's a piece of his story that speaks to his faith. If you have a Bible or mobile device, go with me to Genesis chapter 12, and we'll begin in verse 1 together. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Okay? So God doesn't tell Abram where he's going to eventually end up. He just says simply, I want you to go by faith. Abram, I want you to step out. Somebody say step out. He had to step out by faith. God said, listen, I, I'm going to show you the land where I want you to go. God didn't tell him what country, let alone give him an address. He simply said to Abram, I want you to have faith. I want you to trust me. If you're a guest, uh, we define faith. The Bible defines faith as a deep confidence in God, trusting in God, not ourselves, but in who God is and what he says about himself and the plan that he has for us. And so Abram had to step out in faith. Now, Here's what you need to understand from a biblical background and context. At this time, when God calls Abram, Abram is a middle-aged, blessed, he is a prosperous individual. He has this family, he has, he has crafted, he has beautifully, methodically built and beautifully managed a life that he is comfortable with. I mean, he's not some 20-something who, who all they own is a Toyota Tercel with a bumping system and two suitcases of clothes, okay? This is a established, curated, middle-aged, classy individual, and God says to Abram, I want you to leave everything. I want you to leave what is comfortable and what is known to follow my 
voice to go to the land where I will show you. Abram is probably like, really? Like, how does this even work? What am I gonna tell my family? How does this even happen? Well, Abraham knows if he takes this step of faith that his future will dramatically change. In the next couple moments, I wanna speak to you about your future, about my future, and how faith is required, giant faith, if we're going to step out into the vision and the calling and the future that God has for each of our lives. And Abraham, he stepped out. He, he was so excited to go. He wanted to obey the Lord. In fact, scripture later on in the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews, there's a chapter, it's kind of called the, the Hall of Fame, okay, the Hall of Fame. How many of you are familiar with like a Hall of Fame, right? NFL, NBA, the Hall of Fame. Some of you are thinking, wow, there's a Hall of Fame in the Bible? Is Giannis in it? I mean, is that Brett Favre? I mean, Robin Yout? No, 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 none of those characters. But people like Sarah and Rahab and Moses and Noah, those individuals are listed. It's not called the Hall of Fame. It's called the Hall of Faith. It's the hall of faith. These are individuals who had giant-sized faith. And this is what the writer of Hebrews says. Here's the commentary uh, about uh, uh, Abram. It says, by faith, Abram, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. And even though he did not know where he was going. See, Abram was going to leave the comfortable to the uncomfortable, the known to the unknown. How many of you like comfort? I do. I, 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 we're, we're creatures of comfort. I like comfortable clothes. I love to put on some sweatpants and I have a favorite sweatshirt and my socks and I just, I want something comfortable. I like comfortable couches and comfortable furniture and comfortable cars and I like comfort, I like the temperature of my house to be comfortable, right? I like comfort. Who doesn't? But how many of you know that if you want to have a giant faith, comfort is not a part of that equation. See, God wants to move us from what is comfortable to what is uncomfortable. Because when we're in the unknown, when we're in the uncomfortable, it grows our dependency upon who God is. It stretches us because we know we don't have the resources or the ingenuity or the intellect to be able to figure it out. It's by faith. Faith goes beyond reason. Faith goes beyond facts. Faith is saying, God, I'm going to trust you when you call out to me. That's faith. See, a comfy Christianity leads to a, a flimsy faith. But, but a, a Christianity that says, you know what? I'm gonna follow you, Jesus, and I'm ready to step into something that is uncomfortable and perhaps unknown. And here's the key. You wanna know the key to a giant faith? Hebrews 11.8 gives us the principle. Here it is. Obedience is the key to growing a giant faith. Let me say that again. Obedience is the key to growing a giant faith. Abraham, he just didn't hear God's voice. What did he do? He obeyed God's voice. He left his father's household. All the, what he had known, he left. Why? Because he heard God speak to him. So what does faith look like for you? Well, perhaps you're an introvert. And this week, your step of faith is to obey God. And perhaps he's going to have you speak up in a meeting and share your idea. Or you're an extrovert. You're the life of the party. And your step of faith is to hush up. 
Okay. Or maybe your step of faith is to leave your corporate job. Maybe God has a career change for you. Or maybe you're at the age where you're thinking to yourself, man, retirement is on the horizon. And God, God is speaking to you and he's saying, I want you to work a couple more years. You're like, God, everything's okay. Financially, I'm set, I'm, I'm good. You're like an Abram and God is saying to you, listen, I want you to stay in a workplace, not for your material gain, but for the future generation that's coming up behind you because they're fatherless or they're motherless and they need wisdom. They need a godly example, somebody who has a giant faith and I'm tapping you on the shoulder to stay in the game so you can pour into the next generation. Wow, wow. What if you would postpone your retirement because God was leading you to have an impact beyond what you could ever imagine? And here's the thing. The pain of faith never outweighs the promises of faith. The pain of you taking a step of faith will never outweigh It'll never outweigh the promises. You don't know what, you would, what, what God would have in your future for you if you left that corporate position. God, God would, you don't know, you don't know if you would, you would, you would go on that missions trip, if you began to serve, if perhaps your step of faith, you began to tithe. Well, how is God going to put that together? How's it all going to work? Watch, God's promises are true for you and for me. I drove in this morning and I got to brag on a serving team, okay? Um, I drove in, I got in, uh, our teams, our volunteers are amazing. Our worship team, uh, they probably get here around, I don't know, 5.45, 5.30. And so I drove in at 6 a.m. and I went down to the offices and our plow team was out there. Guy in the plow truck and our skid steer, and they're so cool. Like they got, you know, lights are gone, it's early. And I was, I was thinking to myself, they could have easily said, I can't plow today, I'm tapping out. It's time change. There's no way. There's, I don't want to do that ministry anymore. But you know what? The blessing that they're going to receive to know that those spots are cleared so that souls could come and worship the great God of the universe, that fills their hearts, friends. That fills their hearts. The pain of waking up and getting ready never outweighs the promises of faith. Okay? So, it's one of the uh, reasons that we just developed this little self-assessment. Everybody pull out this card. If you're a guest today, it'll be on your seat. If you're online, you can just wave it at me like this so I know. Uh, yep, uh, maybe you're here last week and you failed to bring, uh, uh, take one home with you. This is for you. You can take it. I want you to take it because on this card each week, uh, there's a section that corresponds to the message. This is all about you just identifying where you are. So last week, we talked about friendship with God, right? Well, this week, uh, uh, we're talking about your future, vision that God has for your life. And so you can kind of mark where you are and where you want to go. Be honest with this. Use this in your chair time, and you can spend time with the Lord. And there's resources to fuel your faith to take that next step. So this is designed for you. We're really passionate about this because here's what we know. We know that God meets us. He's going to meet you at the intersection of your faith in him and your obedience to him. That's where you end up meeting the Lord, okay? That's how you grow a giant faith when you're obedient to him. So let's pick up in our text for today in Genesis 12. Verse two, it says this. God makes some promises to Abraham. There's three of them. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all 
peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, let's just zoom out for a second and look at this from a biblical uh, perspective, from a historical perspective of what takes place in chapter 12. As far as we know, up to this point, there is no biblical record that Abram had a relationship with God, okay? I know last week we learned that James says in James chapter two that Abram was known as the friend of God. But when God initially comes to Abram, we have no record that he had that friendship, that relationship with God. But there are three things that we do know about Abraham. We know, first of all, based on his obedience, we know that he knew that God was real. That there was a divine source that was speaking to him. He knew that. Secondly, he had faith to obey. That's like amazing. Many of us are Christians. You're watching online. You're a believer. And you know God's power is real. You know he has saved you from sin. You've seen him act in your life in the past. And yet we struggle to obey him with our future. Abraham, he he doesn't even know. And yet he obeys the voice of God to leave his comfy, cushy life to go to a land that he hadn't even seen. Wow, you talk about giant faith. And the third thing is he set his heart and his life on the direction that God had for him by expressing his faith in obedience. He left. And friends, if you look at the opening chapters of Genesis, when you zoom out right now in the biblical story, humanity is a hot mess, friends, okay? If you look back from like Genesis 1 through 11, 1 and 2 are great. Why? Because God's God's created, he created everything and it's absolutely beautiful. But chapter 3, it goes sideways quick. It's called the fall. It's impacted all of us. When Adam and Eve, they're disobedient to the Lord. Chapter 4 through 11 is a record from Adam to Noah. Chapter 4, we see our first murder, Cain and Abel. Remember that little story? Brothers killing brothers, okay? And then in chapter 5, There is this guy by the name of Noah, and in six, there is a divine do-over. God's so frustrated with humanity that he wipes everybody out with a flood, and then only Noah and his family are called to go ahead and populate the earth once again. And then you get to 11, and you see humanity's pride evidenced again by them trying to build a tower to the heavens known as the Tower of Babel. So from Genesis 1 to 11, this thing is real. This is a messy picture. Like, we're messed up. So when you get to Genesis chapter 12, you're thinking to yourself, man, how's God going to redeem this? What is he going to do? You know what God does? He calls to Abraham. I wonder if God would redeem some things and change some things in our world today if you would hear his call in your life. What does he want to say about your future? Now, If you're new to Bible study or you're thinking to yourself, well, that's a great historical lesson, Adam, but what impact does that have on me today? Well, let me show you the relevancy of just how important Abram is. Because Abram lays the groundwork. We see in chapters 1 through 11 that humanity is always spiraling towards sin. But in chapter 12, there is a There is a foundation that is being, there's like a railroad track that's being laid for all future generations through Abram. Remember what we read in verse three, that all peoples were going to be blessed through Abram. What does that mean? Well, a part of Abraham's line is going to be Jesus Christ in the New Testament. That's why Abraham is known as Father Abraham. As we learned last week, he's one of the patriarchs, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
So much so that all the promises that were given to Abraham, we who are Christians, we are heirs to those promises. Let, let me show you what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 3.29. He says it this way. If you belong to Christ, if you belong to Christ, anybody belong to Christ in the room today? Can you just give me a little woo-hoo? Okay. It was so funny. Last service, I said, hey, if you belong to Christ, give me a little woo. And first service, everybody in the room sounded like Ric Flair. It was like, woo! I was like, wow, man, I'm watching like old clips of wrestlers and stuff like that. If you don't know that reference, I'm sorry. But anyways, I grew up loving wrestling. I was always telling my, my brother and my dad, no, it's real, guys, it's real. And they were like, Adam, come on. Anyways, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, meaning you're a part of his family tree and heirs according to the promise. This is so powerful. This is a seismic shift in biblical history because now at Abraham, what happens is the foundation, the groundwork for faith that will impact all peoples begins with Abraham. So here are three promises, and this applies to you and me. These three promises apply to our lives, which was given to Abraham, we're now heirs of. So I want to walk you through these three promises. The first one is this. God says to him, I will give you a land. That land is very significant. It's known as the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. Hundreds of years later, this is the same land that Joshua would lead the people into. This land was so important for the people of God and even today. This is now today known as the nation of Israel. This is the promised land. Now, friends, you don't have a land. You don't have this massive land mass that belongs to you, or at least most of us don't, right? But you do have a property. And what is on your property? It's your, it's your house, Right? So this land that was promised to Abraham was a land of favor, of blessing, a land flowing with milk and honey. Can I ask you, is your house a house of blessing, a house of peace, a house of favor? See, you might not have a land, but you have a house, and God wants you to steward your house in a way that's a blessing to other people, to your family first and foremost, and to your friends and to your neighbors, you know, many times, uh, there have been times in our marriage, Laura and I, where we would, uh, we would anoint our house. We would anoint our house. Um, I can remember one time when we felt there was spiritual attack on one of our daughters, Laura, said, you know, Adam, I think we just need to anoint her room. I remember it very vividly. And you say, now, wait a second, Adam, what are you talking about? Anointing your house. What do you mean by that? I thought anointing oil was designated for those who are sick. And you're right. If you look in James chapter 5, that is a primary New Testament usage of oil, symbolic of the Holy Spirit to anoint those who are sick and offer up a prayer of faith or healing. But if you look in the Old Testament, interesting chapter in Deuteronomy chapter 40, Moses anoints all the different furnishings in the temple. If you read Deuteronomy 40 this week, here's why. Because the Lord says to Moses, when you anoint those things, those that space, that place, that will be consecrated, meaning it will be set apart for holy purposes. 
And so maybe one of the applications for you this week is that you get yourself some just oil. It can be any oil. There's nothing special about the oil. I don't care if it's like Wesson oil or olive oil or whatever. But I must warn you, if you anoint kind of the door frame, you know, it might stain it. So don't go hog wild on that thing. And then, you know, you know like, you know, dabble do you. All, just a little bit, okay? Sign of the cross. But you can anoint and say, you know what? This is your house, God. This is where your presence, we're inviting your presence. We're setting this aside for your purposes. I will give you a land. God has given you a house. That's promise number one. Second promise is this. I will make you into a great nation. I'll make you into a great nation. This is evidenced in the fact that Abraham's name is going to change from Abram to Abraham. In Genesis 17, here's what takes place. Abram is known as a father, a high father. And Abraham is known as a father of a multitude. That's why if you ever grew up in kids' church, remember the song we used to sing? Father Abraham and many sons. Sing it with me. And many sons had. And I am one of them. And so you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. Yeah, yeah, you did that, right? Oh man, kids' church was the best. We used to have chairs and we had to like walk around the chairs and then, so let's just praise the Lord, right arm, left arm, everybody turn around, sit down, and then you would try to do the chair. Kids were getting hurt, made the concussions. It was awesome. All the boys would walk out. We'd have like our kid in action dollars and bruises and coming home from church like, yes, Father Abraham, that's my favorite song. We had no idea what we were singing was the promise declared by the Apostle Paul in Galatians 3.29. I am one of them and so are you, right? So let's just praise the Lord. He's a father. He's man of a great nation. You might not have a nation, but you have a family. You have a family. And what's amazing about this promise is that when Abraham receives this promise, I'm gonna make you into a great nation. Do you know his current status as a parent? He had no kids. He was battling infertility. There is a promise that God is speaking over your life right now and you see no way possible that could ever come to fruition. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, God can do what he says he can do in and through your life, amen? You might not see it, you might need a miracle, but God is a God of miracles, friends. There have been people in our church, we've had several examples of couples who have struggled with infertility. And if you struggle with infertility, it's a silent killer. At the end of service today, we'll have trusted and vetted prayer partners. You, they'll agree and they'll pray. Guys, we've seen God do miracles with couples who've battled this. Or maybe it's your young adult who is battling depression. Maybe it's your child who's struggling, being bullied at school. Maybe, maybe your marriage is struggling. I don't know what it is. How's your family? Here's what I know. God has a promise for your family. Might not have a nation, but you've got a family. Maybe you have some little ones, and your little ones right now, friends, we live in a godless and an anti-God culture. And every day you send them off to school, and you're praying, God, would you protect them? Would you watch over them? That's why it's so important if you have little ones, especially if they're little toddlers, uh, uh, elementary, come to church every week, because they need that foundation of faith. They need to be able to tell their kids' church 
songs and their stories. That's what builds that giant faith. You capture a kid's heart when they're young, it'll be hard for them to part when they're older. Some of you are standing on the promise of God. Proverbs 22, six says, start off a child in the way that he or she should go. And when they are older, they will not depart from it. That's a promise of God's word. Now, some of you are sitting here and you have kids who are older and thinking, no, Adam, I did all of that. And they're departed. They left God's ways. The enemy is messing with your mind right now. You're hearing that right now. You're feeling guilty as a parent. And here's what I want to tell you. You look that devil square in your eye, in his eye, and you say this to him. You say, hey, listen, that's not the final chapter of my kid's life. He might be off right now, rebellious. He might be doing something. She might be doing something. But I am standing on the promise of the Lord. Surely goodness and mercy will follow that child all the day of his life. And he will dwell in the house of the Lord. That's giant faith as parents, and we need that. All right, so if the first promise is that God will give Abram a land, he'll give him a nation, here's the third one. Oh, this is my favorite one. I will make you a blessing. Friends, if you're a Jesus follower, one of the goals that Jesus has for you is to make your life a blessing. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you so much so that you would bless other people. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to be in a relationship with you so you can take all the blessings and just kind of hold on to them. He, oh, thank you, Mike. Everybody say hi to Mike. He wants to bless you so much so that your life, think of a funnel. He wants your life to be a fun. We are, if you kind of were raised in church, there's this uh, 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 statement, a phrase, you are blessed to be a blessing. You're not blessed just to absorb all of it, to take it, to, to be selfish about it. You're not, you're not giving to get, you're not serving to get. You're not, listen, you, it's flowing. You're, you're receiving the blessings of God so that they can flow out to other people. You're a funnel of blessing. And when you're a funnel of blessing, when God uses your life and your faith to be a blessing to someone else, friends, there is no other feeling that I can describe what that's like. It is indescribable. But when you feel it, and when you begin to, listen to this, live it, oh, faith just comes alive. We did this recently as a church, remember? Two weeks ago, what did we do? We did that initiative, taking it to the streets. So many stories just poured in about how you were a funnel of blessing. For example, Chuck and Ann, they, they blessed one of their neighbors who was a veteran. And he's struggling, and so they gave him that envelope. If you're a guest here today, we had 300 envelopes, 150 per service. Each envelope had $20 bills and uh, $20 bill in it. We said, you pick it up and go be a blessing. Be a funnel of blessing. Bless someone. So Chuck and Ann, they blessed that veteran. Uh, we had Amanda and her family. There's a new neighbor. And so they got them a little gift basket and blessed them some granola bars and things like this. And they blessed them. And then they heard about, here's what happens when you have your life as a blessing. They said the neighbors were so touched that they just wanted to do more. They wanted to be more of a funnel of blessing. That's how it happens. And so they found another neighbor, 
a, a younger couple and they noticed that they weren't snowing, they weren't blowing their snow. And so Amanda had her husband, their two little boys, seven and four. They went over there and they started shoveling and taking care of the snow. And the woman walked out and she said, you have no idea my husband just got diagnosed with cancer. He's in his early 30s, mid 30s. And Amanda's family said, we'll be praying for him. That's a funnel blessing. That's a blessing. That's a blessing or, or <laughs> amazing story about Susan. Susan, she used, she wanted to take it to the streets. And so she was getting her hair done by her, uh, uh, her stylist. And she said, is there anybody else coming in today that could use a little blessing? And, and her stylist said, yes, I have a woman, uh, one of my clients, she's 94 years young. And she's getting her hair done today. And so Susan gave her the envelope and said, oh, would you just bless her with this? And I think we have a picture of, there's Susan's stylist and there's the woman who's 94. She said she absolutely loved it. What a blessing. Isn't that amazing? That's a blessing. Or what about that elementary kid? There's a, a little girl named Faith. She's in fifth grade. How appropriate that Faith was so excited about taking it to the streets. Why? Because this little girl, Faith has giant faith. Look at her picture up there. She was so excited. They went right after church and they went and they bought stuff for a woman who works at McDonald's. Faith and her mom go to McDonald's every morning and Faith, Faith talks to a woman named Jessica who's gonna be a soon-to-be grandmother. And so Emily and Faith brought some gifts so that this grandmother can give her new grandchild something. Amazing. Emily said, Faith's mom said, the woman just started like crying. Couldn't believe it. Faith was so excited about that. That's a funnel of blessing. Now, let me share with you real quick my, my story. Uh, so God spoke to me and I knew right away when we had this initiative what I wanted to do. I uh, wanted to go to one of the local elementary schools, and I think I told this to you. I wanted to go in, and I wanted to pay uh, some of uh, an account balance if, if, if a child was in the negative when it came to their lunch money. And I was so excited about this. I was so looking forward to this opportunity. I, I, I couldn't wait, right? And so it was Monday, February 27th. It was the day after we did take into the streets. And I had my envelope in the car, and I was planning on getting there early prior to all the parent traffic, and I just figured I'll walk in before, you know, that get all there. Well, anyways, I, I wasn't on time, and so I was uh, going to get a cup of coffee down here at the McDonald's, and I was coming back, and that was the day that it was nasty outside. Remember that day? It was like slushy, rainy. I know some of you are like, isn't that every day in Wisconsin in the winter? But this one was particularly terrible, right? It was just like, it was terrible. Remember that day? Everybody shake your head. It was bad. Okay. Bad, bad news, right? So, it's like 8.20, 8.15, and I'm driving up on Richmond, and I'm headed toward Evergreen. I'm going to make a right and head into the office, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me, and he was like, no, I want you to stop by, and I want you to go to Ferber right now and drop off the money. You know what I said? I don't want to. No. I know some of you are like, really? You say no to God? Yeah, sometimes I do. I was like, I don't want to. No. And I just, I felt in my heart, like I was like, no, I want you to go now, Adam. I want you to go drop this money off. And I'm like, God, 
The parent traffic is gonna be terrible. You know about the line, don't you? Like I'm literally talking to him like this. And the weather, I'll go later after it stops icing, snowing, whatever it was doing, all this garbage, I'll go later. And I felt like God was like, no, I want you to go now. Go now. And I'm like, fine. <laughs> so I'm throwing a tantrum and I turn on the Capitol and I kid you not, there's a four-way stop sign. There's a little Methodist church right there, four-way stop sign. And it is backed up with cars and parents and snow and ice. Friends, I don't believe in purgatory, but that felt like purgatory right there. I'm like, oh my word, really? Really, God? We're doing this right now? Yep, right now, Adam. Okay. It wasn't that long. I'm so dramatic. It was like four minutes. I literally clocked it because I have patience issues too. That's a fruit of the spirit that's trying to grow inside of me. So I'm like, okay. So I turned into the deal. I parked the car. I kid you not. Uh, this is no lie. I'm not making this up. As soon as I turn the car off, it starts like sleeting, raining, hailing, or whatever it was doing, like even harder. I'm like, really God, really? I got my boots on, I get out, and I'm like, all right, turn on the Christian smile. Like, go be a blessing, take it to the streets. That's what I'm doing. But inside, I'm like, oh, man, I'm grumpy. Woo, I'm grumpy. So I'm like, all right, all right, all right. Take it easy. I know you don't identify with this, so I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm just, this is cathartic for me. So I walk in. I go into the office, and I say to the woman, I say, ma'am, I said, uh, our church is doing something that's called taking it to the street. In this envelope, there's $20. And so if you know of a child or a couple kids, they have a negative account balance in their lunch money, we, we just want to bless them. She was like, wow, that's cool. And there was another teacher that was like next to me saying to one of the office people, she was like, she was mouthing this because I, I peeked. She was like, that's so kind. <laughs> and I was like, all of a sudden inside of me started changing. I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is so great. I love it. And then, and then that lady was like, wait a second, what church do you go to? And I was like, oh, I go to Pathways Church. And they were like, that is the coolest idea ever. And so you know how ladies are. They're starting to like, oh, is he great? <laughs> you know this. And then, then the principal is behind the window and she looks all formal, right? She had her business suit on and she was on the phone working it. And I'm like, she stands up. She's like looking out of the thing. And I'm like, I'm getting so excited. I'm like, oh God, you're, this, you're just gonna use this. You're gonna use this as a blessing. And then I said, oh, well, hey, thanks so much. And God bless you. Have a great day. And she said, and you know what? You did that on a Monday morning and fought all the parent traffic with all this atrocious weather. I stopped dead in my tracks. And I said, ma'am, I said, that had way more to do with my own heart than it did with this gift. Because when you're a funnel of blessing, God changes your heart. He shapes you. You begin to think and act and feel more like Jesus. Friends, isn't that what we all want? <laughs> so, you know what stops me and most likely my guess stops you from being a blessing? You know what it is? Fear, shame, guilt. I failed in the past. How can I do it now? Insecurity. Oh, I struggle with this one a lot. Like, if I want to step out and you know, be a blessing. Sometimes I think to myself, well, people are going to think I'm weird. Fill in the blank. People are going to think that's odd. Like, why would you do that? I have all this, all these head games inside of me. 
These are the things that hold us back from being a blessing. But you know what, friends? That can change. Isn't that great? Giant faith. That's giant faith. Faith over fear. Faith in spite of the facts. In spite of the report, the diagnosis, your current situation, where you're stuck, trapped right now, where you're feeling lonely and broken, I want you to know that God has a hope and a plan full of promises for your future. For some of you, you know what you need to do? You need to make a call. Hey, shame, I'm done with you. Fear, it's over. We're breaking up. I ain't texting you. I'm going old school. I called you up on my grandma's rotary phone to tell you we're done. Who do you have to call? Make the call. It's worth it. Make the call. Make the call. Make the call. Make the call. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? Heavenly Father, I know you're speaking to people today, those online watching. God, you're, you're speaking to us because all of us, at some level, need to make a call somewhere. We need to break up with something. Something that's holding us back. So who do you need to call? Make the call today. Do it right now. Pick up the phone. Dial that number. I'm done. It's over. You're a Christian. You know Jesus. But you've been held back by something. Today. Today is the breakup call. So that you can follow him with giant faith into the future that he has for you. I believe it. I believe it. Now, maybe you're here today or in the room, you're watching online and you don't have faith at all. Actually, you've drifted from God or the Jesus that you knew was a religious figure and not a friend, not a savior, not a, not a guide, not the leader and the lover of your soul. You saw him as kind of like a teacher, or a moral person, but, but not as your personal savior who wants to have a relationship with you. If you're here today and you wanna make that decision, you're watching online, would you tell somebody? You can reach out to the church office, you can email us, DM us, tell somebody in the room that you're watching right now. 
This is a divine, holy moment where you're gonna make a decision to place your faith, your trust in Jesus. If you're in the room today and you need to make that decision, you need to come back to God or make that decision for the very first time, in this moment, would you just raise your hand so that I can acknowledge you? Who here today needs to make a decision for Jesus Christ? Anybody? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All the way in the back, I see you. Thank you. Yes. Anybody else today? I might have missed your hand. Oh, way over here. Thank you. I see you. To my left, all the way over there. I see you. Thank you. Okay. One of the things I love about our church family is that we pray together this prayer because it's so important that we're in community and connection as we pray this prayer together. So let's say this in full voice. Repeat this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. Forgive me of my sin. I repent. I was wrong. I sinned against you and others. Wash me clean. Come into my heart and grow my faith so that I can be giant for your glory and to be a funnel blessing for so many others. I receive you by faith. In Jesus' name, and everyone who agreed with this prayer, shout it. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, let's celebrate. That's exciting.